fighting for freedom every day. They are absolutely desperate to pretend the last four years never happened and for them to go back to what they like to do before, which is create these massive spending bills to pretend that it's really, really important to you when you only get about 5% of what's in the bill and they can't do it because we're aware of it. We're paying attention to it and they don't like that. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I have to admit, I got here today, I was ready to rock and roll, and I realized that it's a Friday when it did not feel like a Friday today. It honestly felt like a Wednesday or a Thursday, and then realized that we have the weekend upon us. Welcome into the broadcast, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station all over the country, radio and TV, plus we have the live streaming and podcasting thereafter as well. Thanks for hanging out with us, and it's great to have you along for the ride. We have a lot to get to today. I feel so much better than yesterday. If you listen to the broadcast, I was a little angry, a little frustrated, and you can listen back to the podcast on that one and see what was going on with some of these stupid, stupid, ridiculous conversations on social media that I just don't want to jump into again because it just angers me thinking about it. But we have a heck of a lineup for you today. We have a great show. Uh, Daniel Natal, he'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. We'll be talking about the social justice movement in the United States. Is it healthy? Is it right? And what the heck's going on with it? And how do we get ourselves out of such a ridiculous mess that is like, I don't know, um, social justice things and pushes and movements in the country. So we'll get to that here in just a little bit. We have some tax issues as well. Plus, because it's the end of the week and because we want to be a little bit more lighthearted, it's a beautiful day outside for most places across the country right now. I want to wrap up with a little bit of fun and maybe to make me feel a little bit old, even though I am your millennial general, which reporting for duty each and every day. I feel a little bit old as every year, apparently, they adjust and they alter and they change the dictionary, the Webster, the Merriam-Webster dictionary, the official one, not like stupid Wikipedia that means nothing. You can Anybody can get on to any page on Wikipedia and you can edit the page, you can change the content on the page, and you can do whatever the heck you want to do on Wikipedia. It is not a reputable source, at least when I was in college. You were not allowed to use that as a reputable source if you were writing a paper in college because it was not college accredited. You couldn't do it. Now, I don't know about today. Maybe it's different today. But when I was in college, you were not allowed to do that, and, which really blows my, the mind for many progressives on the left side of the aisle when you try and argue about the definition of socialism, the definition of fascism, the definition of what terms really used to be when it comes to political ideology. Because to them, they were saying, well, Wikipedia tells me that socialism means that we get to uh, control the means of distribution with the people. And therefore, socialism is a great thing because we get to have the distribution by the people. We get to control it. The people get to control it. When that's not the definition of these ideologies in any way, shape, or form. In fact, the Webster's Merriam-Webster's Dictionary says that the definition of socialism is control of means of distribution by the government. And it's a utopian, it's a dictatorship mentality because it's essentially tyranny, but with a group of individuals that run the things at the higher-ups and get to destroy, uh, get to control everything and essentially destroy the private sector. Uh, and they just don't grasp that concept because Wikipedia told them that. So we'll get into what real definitions are uh, just a little bit and maybe break some of that down for the uh, slower part of the class, which I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying pay attention, left-wingers, because we have some education to really do. So welcome in. We have a lot to get to. We have a tax issue that's going to be uh, at the federal level being discussed, which is a very concerning issue. Because if the federal government's going to be raising all of our taxes, what else could we look forward to? Remember, they try to double and triple dip you 
with your taxes because why the heck not? You're willing to pay for it. You're not standing up and saying, no, you can't do that. So they're going to continue to do that. So we'll talk about new dictionary words because it makes me feel very old. Did you know they're putting slang in dictionaries? Yeah. I mean, like legitimate slang. No, I'm not okay with that. That's not the evolution of words. It's not the evolution of language. That is the de-evolution of said language by putting in slang words in the Webster's Dictionary. I'm sorry, we're not going to put fab in the dictionary for fabulous. It doesn't work that way. No, it's a slang word. It's an abbreviation, and we're going to use You can use that. That's cool. But to put it as a legitimate word from the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, I'm just not okay with it. And because of that fact, it really exposes how old I really feel in today's times. Plus, uh, although I have to say I'm not as old is someone like Joe Biden, who I don't know if you saw or not, but ended up tripping down the stairs of Air Force One, or tripping up the stairs. He was walking up to Air Force One, tripped on it three times. Not just once, three times. And it wasn't three separate times either. It was literally, he was walking up and he tripped and he bumped his shin because then he kind of rubbed his shin. And then he started, and the next step he tripped again And then he tried to go again because he was getting awkward. And then he tripped a third time and then stopped, rubbed his shin because it probably hurt after hitting it a couple of times, and then tried to jog the rest of the way up Air Force One. Now, at 78 years old, I would be a little concerned about that. You got to remember, he did trip over his dog just a few months before getting uh, winning the election and was on a cast for like, I don't know, a week or something, uh, was in a cast because he tripped and fractured his foot by playing with his dog out in his backyard. Now he's walking up Air Force One, and he tripped. Now, again, you trip, everybody trips. I'm not really knocking it, be like, oh, he's unqualified to be president. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that we have enough evidence that he's not mentally there already anyways, and he hasn't been there for quite a long time. And this is just another step of, hmm, you trip, okay, but one of those trips, and I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to be president anymore. And is that what we're waiting for? I'm guessing on the over-under right now on how long Joe Biden's actually going to be in the White House based on a trip that he's going to have that's probably not going to be his fault because Kamala Harris is in the background going, I think I got him this time. I'm waiting for it. And it's going to happen at some point. Over-under, I'm still saying, I've said this since the beginning of the uh, election when he did win this, that he was going to get six months. Six months after that. And here's the theory is that he's going to come in, he's going to do all these different executive orders, he's going to pass the most progressive bills, he's, they're going to ram everything through. And then it's going to allow Kamala Harris to come in and just kind of coast and continue continue on with that trend, or they're going to try and swing it back as they get closer to the next election and say, well, he was too way too radical, he was way too progressive, we're going to kind of boot him off to the side, and now we're really, truly representing the party. They're making him out to be the scapegoat, to look radical, to look nuts, to look crazy, And then they'll let him do his bidding. Oh, he was the president. He was the leader of the party. We had to do what he wanted to do. He was the president of the United States. And then boot him out of the way when it gets closer to the election and say, well, you know, he did that stuff. This is a different administration. We're going to be here for all of the people. He was just, you know, not really quite there. We really felt bad for him. We were trying to steer him in the right direction. But he's president. He can do what he wants to. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning more towards that mindset because then Kamala can still be progressive, but she won't look as progressive. Remember, when she was in the Senate, she was the most progressive senator in the entire U.S. Senate. In American history, she was the most radical, the most left-wing, the most ridiculous senator out of anybody. 
and then she's going to come in here. They're going to push this radical agenda and then make her look more mainstream as they go into the 2024 presidential election. And I know we're talking three years away, but it's happening now. They're already planning these things right now. And I think it's going to be a way for her to look more mainstream and happier as we get closer to that election when she finally takes over. But I'm still saying six months. And this is the perfect – look, if he can trip up the stairs to Air Force One on his own without the help of anybody, then imagine when Kamala Harris is in the background and she ends up sticking her foot out and he's walking down the stairs at the White House, uh, you know, from the private area down to the public area, and he ends up, you know, tripping and rolls down the stairs at 78, 79 years old. It's not going to end well. So that's my prediction, and I'm sticking. It's kind of like the March Madness predictions. That's my prediction. I'm giving it six months when Joe Biden's going to be out of office. Some people have given it like a month. So we'll see. Time's a ticking, Joe. Kamala's getting a little anxious with her uh, time in the spotlight. Well, speaking of, one of the new dictionary words is something related to that as well that we'll get to here in just a little bit. By the way, you can find us on all of our social media, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitter, twitch.tv. You can always find plus on the parlor and the ourfreedombook.com. We have the video shared all over the place. You can watch us on those, plus the website at whosyourreason.com. Again, whosyourreason.com, and we appreciate you uh, joining us on the program today. I do want to talk about something relatively serious for a minute, and that is taxes. Now, as you know, we just spent the most progressive, uh, most amount of money, the most progressive bill in U.S. history with this COVID-19 thing. And because of that, and because he spent all of our money, now we need to have our taxes raised to supplement what he just spent at the federal level. Because why the heck not? We're paying for the stimulus. We pay for $14,000 essentially coming out so we can get a $1,400 check back. And that's a great return on investment there. And then because of such a lack of return on investment, we need to pay more with our annual taxes, with our income tax, with our business taxes and corporate taxes and employee taxes and sales taxes and retail taxes and gas taxes and everything else. According to MSN now, they're looking at a new way of doing this because they realize looking down to the future that we're having more taxes that are going to be disappearing because of the way things are changing. So the government even though they're not very proactive on other things, they're very proactive in looking how industries are changing and how they need to stay ahead of the curve to keep taxes coming into them as industry and technology continue to change throughout the years. One of them now being, of course, driving in the gas tax. And now two states, Oregon and Iowa, have now passed taxes to tax by mileage that you're driving. Now, I'm curious on how they do this unless they actually put a GPS in your vehicle, which they've already done, because if you have any type of GPS to tell you where to go, they already have the GPS to track on where you're going and where you're at at that moment. I'm not a big fan of that, but that's a different discussion. But if they do that, that means they literally track every time you turn on your vehicle and where you go to turn off your vehicle, and they they track that data and that mileage, and then they somehow tax you on that. I'm not quite sure how that would happen, but they're looking at more of this. As more vehicles are going electric and as more vehicles are going even hydrogen. I didn't know we were working on hydrogen-powered vehicles, but apparently General Motors is working on releasing vehicles that are hydrogen-powered vehicles right now. And they realize that if we're doing electric or if we're doing hydrogen, we're not paying tax on gas or as much. Even the electric vehicles that are driving right now, we're not paying as much in gas, so therefore we're not paying as many taxes in gas, which to the government, that's a big no-no. 
So what do you do instead of taxing by the gas and you put on, because remember, the $2.80, $3 a gallon, whatever it is right now across the nation, most of that, 80% of that, 60% of that is actual taxes from the state tax and federal tax for highway projects, for highway stuff, for infrastructure, for whatever. It's not the evil gas company trying to gouge you. It's the taxes that the state and federal government put on there, even local taxes at some sometimes to tax you for the upkeep of some of the highways. And if you're not paying that, then how are we going to upkeep our highways? Now, for those that do realize, we already do pay taxes if you drive an electric vehicle because you pay tax on your electricity every time you charge your vehicle. So you're already paying a tax. If you have hydrogen, I'm not quite sure how that one works, but you're paying apparently you know, hydrogen and refueling with hydrogen or something. I don't know how that one would work, but I'm sure you're paying a tax somewhere because there's not a daggone thing across this nation where you don't pay a tax. But if they tax by the mile, think about this for a second. If they tax by the mile, then those that are driving it, okay, you have a little bit less of a gas tax because you're using the electricity and you use a little bit of gas or you're using hydrogen and then you're paying that tax by the mile. But what about those that are still driving gasoline vehicles? What about those that are still driving regular vehicles that are gas? They're now double dipping you, aren't they? Because you're now paying by the mile and you're paying at the pump. So they're double dipping you, which I think is their philosophy as well, their mindset as well, because they can drive you off of that coal energy or that, that gasoline, because how dare you try and use that? Because that's really bad for the environment. We're trying to get away from that. So we'll just tax you to the point to where you can't afford it any longer. And you're forced to go to the new market as opposed to letting that new market evolve naturally to where it's beneficial for the majority of consumers. Double dipping the taxes. Now, not only, again, are your income, corporate, all that other taxes going up, but now you could see that with many states trying to implement tax by the mile, tracking you, knowing exactly what you're doing to know exactly how much money to charge you for using that public transportation. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back, and we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com.
Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program. And here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great Republic. You're listening to the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, sir. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Friday, the greatest day of the entire week. You finally made it. If you have to work the weekend, then I feel terribly bad for you. You can join us. On the radio throughout the weekend as well, in different certain places. Welcome in. Radio, TV, and live streaming. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Trying to bring common sense back in. I got a message on Twitter and said, Andy, I don't know if you realize or not, but they've been putting slang in the dictionary for a while now. I, I know. doesn't mean I like it. Because it's slang. It's not a real thing shouldn't be an official word that's the point of it being slang is you take an official word and then you shorten it we'll get to that here in a little bit and have some fun wrapping up the show today as well uh but the taxes uh, look when we have new technology when we have new industries when we have the advancement of society it's a good thing i love progression and i mean progression as in like real progressivism not like progressivism the uh political ideology that's not really progressive because it's not progressing in the right direction it's really regressive I know that just blew your mind for certain individuals across, uh, if you're listening, but that's really regressive. Progressives don't like to progress in certain ways. They like to regress back to the way that things were before with anger and hatred and division and identity politics and being able to control. And we just regress back to the same style that every society has gone before after time is just allowing the centralized government to have all control and then screw everything up. And then we get angry and then just a whole thing. Uh, so it's a cyclical form. We like to progress by continuously progressing in the private sector and allowing us to do the right thing. Now, should there be some type of oversight or some type of tax on there? Potentially, maybe. I'm not personally a fan of it. I don't think that we should be taxing anything more than just sales tax, period, end of story. If you're getting taxed on your electricity, you don't need to be taxed for the electricity to charge your vehicle and then also get charged for the mileage that you drive on the highway because that's just really dumb. But if we're going to do something like that, then we need to get rid of gas tax or we need to get rid of something, some other tax. The problem we have that most individuals, I think, understand this on the conservative end of the aisle is that we can't fix the problems today. And I know that it's hard trying to look into the, you know, the globe and looking at the future and figuring out how to properly regulate, how to properly take care of certain industries as we continue to advance because it's a new industry that we've never seen before, uh, like the interweb. Now they're trying to control the Internet because they don't like the hashtag fake news that's going out there because we're spreading misinformation. And we can't be allowing that now. So therefore, we need to control it. Before, it used to just be a wide open internet where you could say anything and do anything you need to. But now they use the excuse of misinformation and da, 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 when they're the ones that really spread the misinformation in the first place. So I get that there needs to be a discussion on how to move forward as technology advances. But the problem is we can't figure out how to properly manage and regulate the stuff we have today. Why would we be just focusing on the government like we do every single time to say, you know what? Here's a new industry government. Please find a way to regulate this. 
And that seems to be the motive that we do every single time because this is their absolute agenda. They want to force us into a market that's not ready yet. The hydrogen vehicle, which I was not aware of again, the electric vehicle that's not um, um, price-wise financially savvy or smart right now for individuals because it's not ready for the mass public for the consumer. Will it be at some point? Sure, it could be at some point. Is it saving the environment? No, and do not fool yourself for thinking you are saving the environment by using an electric vehicle. Because what powers that electricity? Think about that for a second. We need to find ways to actually make things environmentally friendly, if that's what you're going for, or financially savvy, if that's what you're going for, or more uh, price friendly for the consumer, the mass general consumer, if that's what you're going for. And you do that from the private market. The government does not force in the public sector to say, hey, this is what you're going to do, and we're going to punish you and tax you and regulate you if you don't, which is what they want to do with a tax by the mile as of right now. Because when 20% of people are driving on electric vehicles and the rest of the population's not, then guess what? Everybody on the tax uh, on the gas one's being double dipped, and that's what they want. Because then, gee, what's more expensive? Do I just give the money to the government for buying a lot of gas and then paying for the mileage as well? Or do I just go get an electric vehicle and only have to do it partly? I guess I'd go that way. And then it's more expensive and it's more upkeep and you don't know what you're doing. It's just an entire mess. What? Because that's the way government operates. Lots more coming up. Bottom of the hour news. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right, you're all. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Friday, the greatest day of the entire week, radio and TV. Plus, we have the live streaming as well. I know that we are not quite to the end of the month yet. It's hard to believe we're almost through March, though, which is absolutely crazy. But I do want to remind you that our newsletter comes out at the, at the end of the month, so we have a couple weeks left. So if you have not done so, and we get some more every single month, so thank you for that as you continue to listen. We are killing it with the podcast downloads all over the country. We are just about in all 50 states again this month, as we are just about in every month. So that's awesome. We appreciate it. Plus the ever-growing affiliate stations, uh, radio and TV as well. But sign up for the newsletter, whosyourreason.com. No, Ian Hoosier, H-O-O-S-E-R, Reason.com. You can sign up totally free. It'll ask you, you want to become a Hoosier holic? You say, yes, you do. You put your email in. It's totally free. We will not spam you uh, all the time. We'll just send you that monthly newsletter at the beginning of each month with our news uh, monthly blog, with some uh, civic holidays for the month, with some other information about the show, about the Hoosier Media Network, about things that we're doing, and it's all just a grand time. So make sure you go to HoosierReason.com and sign up for that. 
uh, which is always fun. Let's shift gears a little bit here and get into latest and what's trending. What do you say? Come on. What's trending today? The left, they're so uh, encouraging. They're so embracing. They just love us to death, right? They, they're so open-minded. They just love the fact that we have diverse ideas. We can discuss diverse ideas. That's the real world, right? That's, that's what's going on. Come on. Yeah, no, the social justice from the left side of the aisle is absolutely phenomenal to watch because it's hilarious. And I made a comment on social media earlier today saying that uh, for those in the extreme woke where everything's either offensive or racist to you, remember, we're not laughing with you. We're laughing at you because that's really where we are in society today. But I'm excited to talk about some of this, where we, where all this came from and where we're going in the future. And can we stop some of this madness that's going on? in the nation right now uh, and i'm excited to have our next guest on the program he teaches business and ethics also a news analyst and commentator with the new american magazine which we love having guests from there as well daniel natal with us here daniel how are you my friend hey thanks for having me andy yeah on this, uh, good friday yeah yeah appreciate you coming on the show very much it's fascinating to watch the other side really eat themselves alive but then just go after everyone that disagrees with them with the social justice movements that we're seeing in the nation, is there anything that really sparked this, uh, a certain event or something that really led it to the point that it is today? Or is it just kind of slowly evolved to where it's at right now? Or I guess just to say devolved to where it's at. Well, I mean, just uh, the fact that you mentioned that to the uh, to the woke, that everything comes down to being offensive or racist. So they, they have standardized um, responses, even. So the, even their responses aren't diverse. So that's the irony. The irony is that it's actually the political right who believe in diversity in the sense that when the founding fathers made the United States, they based it on uh, the Greek city-states in ancient Greece, where there was no centralization. So you had a bunch of different independent city-states. Um, they, they got to keep their own money, and middle class developed, right? Um, and then, then this all falls apart when Alexander the Great takes over the, the, you know, the, the known world. He centralizes everything everything. Everybody gets taxed to pay for his capital. Uh, the, the, the Greek world collapses into the dark ages. And um, so the founding fathers were very conscious of that. So they didn't want centralization. So they wanted separate little, you know, little incubators, right? Um, governmental incubators, right? Which we call states. And so when the political left looks at this, they're like, oh, this, this is all messy. We need one centralized term. They want standardization, which is ironic because like they, they, across the board, they want standardization. They want one size fits all for everybody. You know, one set of rules, one, one vocabulary, one way of looking at the world, you know, and if you, and if you don't go along with that, they absolutely go ballistic. So that's the, the, the emerging irony here is that the left who really is committed to standardization, they're the ones claiming that they're for diversity. And I, I, I made a video recently where I was talking to a, um, a professor, and he said that he wanted to put on uh, a, a, a series of conferences that replicated the ones in the 40s, but he made sure to say, oh, but I don't want it to be all white people like it was back in the 1940s. I want more diversity. But what he really meant when you talk to him a while, he, you know, he, in the 40s, it was it might might have been a bunch of people who looked the same, but they thought differently. Whereas now, they want people who look different, but all think exactly the same. So, you know, I, I think that's a little problematic, you know. It boggles the mind, though. I mean, you're right. They they love this centralized micro. It, to me, it reminds me of like the boss to where it looks over your shoulder and loves to micromanage you all day long because they don't want anything left out of their control because maybe they have the the fear of missing out, the, the FOMO. They have the, I don't know, just they've been left out as kids. They didn't get the participation trophy. I don't know what it was, 
but uh, the fact that they just want to control everything drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, how much does social media infiltrate into this? Because obviously, uh, as you mentioned, with the just the the talking points, the same talking points, the regurgitation of the talking points. To me, is to me like the the Twitter cookie cutter response where you get no matter what you try to throw at them, that's their response because it fits in a Twitter handle. Yeah, um, well, actually, it's, it's interesting that you mention that. There's a, a gentleman named Cass Sunstein, and Cass Sunstein is an expert at what is now being called choice architecture, and um, he wrote a great book with uh, economist Richard Tyler called Nudge, and they, what we used to call social engineering, um, they now call choice architecture, and it's how you manipulate the public with technological means and algorithms and stuff. And so Cass Sunstein just uh, wrote a book called How Change Happens, and he goes through how you know the, the manipulation occurs. He was actually in charge of deplatforming conservatives. Biden just hired him for the Department of Homeland Security. Um, so he's back in a, in a position of power. But it is interesting when you read his writings how much he'll admit because he assumes that he's writing for you know a progressive audience. Right? So the admissions that, 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 that he makes are, are sometimes very stunning. Um, and so, yeah, so he, he, he very explicitly um, talks about limiting the parameters of, of the debate, limiting the, you know, the, the bandwidth of, uh, of discourse, um, why they were terrified of Trump because Trump was basically um, normalizing. He was making normative questioning globalism, and they didn't want that to happen. So, this, so there's a very kind of corporatist um, you know, backdrop to a lot of the stuff that they're, that they're doing. And, uh, you know, and, and like I said, if, if anybody is listening there and they want to you know, read an interesting book, read uh, either Nudge or How Change Happens by Sun, uh, Cass Sunstein, and you'll see a lot of the, uh, the, what's happening in Twitter, um, the, the messages that they put out, you know, the, the, uh, the handles and all, all these things. Things that are very manipulative to their to their base, you know, and silencing the other side. Um, if I could, um, without rambling, I just wanted to, to say too. Um, there's a, a, another great book by Alvin Toffler, who's also a man of the left um, from the 1970s, um, called um, The Third Wave, and he explains how we went from a very decentralized system, as I was saying before, with independent states and diversity, you know, governmentally and diversity of opinion and all these things. And he said what happened was when we entered the Industrial Revolution, that started to change. Because if you have a, a society of farmers, which leads to republics, um, everything's decentralized. But once you go into a factory setup, um, if, you, if, if, a, if a person on the assembly line messes up, it's going to affect everybody else down the assembly line. Whereas in the earlier system, when you had farmers in a decentralized system, if a farmer did something on his, on his property, it's not going to affect any other farmer. But in a factory setting, it affects everybody. So a bureaucracy emerges, a top-down thinking. In a republic, it's bottom-up. Whereas in, in the bureaucratic system of, of the Industrial Revolution, it's top-down. And so you saw that application after the factory setup. It, it, it bled into the governmental setup. And so they started wanting standardization, centralization. And so the, the, the modern minted social justice warrior is like an assembly line creation of this, of this pro process. And so, so there is a, a sort of historical arc there. There's, there's a sort of logic for why, why they're, they're going. And so I, I, I tend to see it increasingly less as conservative versus liberal or Republican versus Democrat sure. versus first wave people versus second wave industrial people in you know, a factory people that makes a lot of sense it's a, it's a great analogy to kind of put all this into perspective the question is will we get back to something like that or is it kind of the point of no return i know that politically wise that politics kind of goes in waves of centralized back to the local level and i think politics is going back to a local level that you know most people feel hey i have more of a say if i run for city council or for my school board or for my county commissioner for my state legislature as opposed to i'm going to run for u.s congress and i'm going to email my congressman and see if they actually do something about this that we have more of an impact at that local level is society in that culture 
going back to that mindset as well that, you know what, if I'm really going to change something, I could be a social justice warrior on social media and social media warrior where, ha, I I did my hashtag and people followed me and I got 10,000 likes on there. But if I actually went out to the community and did something on the street corner, then guess what? I actually affected somebody. Will we start seeing that movement shift back to the local level as well? Well, I mean, that's ironic that you bring that point up very, very uh, trenchant, um, because those two people uh, of the left, um, Alvin Toffler, who I just mentioned, and uh, there's another gentleman named uh, William, Lord William Reese Mogg, um, who wrote a great book called The Sovereign Individual in 1997. And both of those people assert that basically that, that second wave period of industrialization, of where centralization happened, mass centralization, uh, little, little city-states became big empires, and they both agree that those things are starting to break down. And we're going to go from a centralized model back to a decentralized model, and it's going to be driven largely by technology. Like in the past, if you wanted to buy or sell, you had to go to a, a capital. That's where the stock market was. That's where the, the oil bourse was. That's where the fashion district was. Now, because of technology and everything being decentralized, you can do transactions on eBay in your pajamas in your house. You don't have to go to a central location anymore. And because of the, the, the technological changes that are happening, um, we're going to start seeing it. We're already starting to see it. You saw under Trump, when uh, California declared itself a sanctuary state. And they were saying, oh, we don't have to abide by federal laws. We're going to you know, go, go our own way. We're a sanctuary state. That, uh, according to Lord William Reese Mogg, he was predicting that back in the 90s. He said that you would start seeing regionalism re- reassert itself. You would start seeing a dissolution of these massive states. And he predicted that you know, places like the UK would eventually break up back into Scotland, England, Wales, Ireland, you know, um, and the, the Canada would break up into Quebec and, and the English-speaking portion. The United States might, you know, go through a period of uh, incredible turmoil and turbulence. And so we're we're already starting to see that. And it scares us. But in the long, you know, kind of arc, just to use that word again, um, it's it's, it's probably good news because it's going to return power back to the local level, which means returning power back to the people. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is going to be really great news. Let's take a break here real quick. We're talking with Daniel Natal. Uh, You can find him on Twitter, uh, Daniel, N-A-T-A-L-18, Daniel Natal18 on Twitter and the social media. When we come back, I want to continue that conversation on what it could do when we come back to the local level, what it could affect uh, policy-wise and uh, how the progressives may try and handle that with their centralization of what, not just in the nation, but worldwide with their focus on the United Nations and other world governments as well. What could that do to them that they're not going to like? We'll do all that and more coming up. Stay here. With Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back. And we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? 
because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program, and here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at network at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at hoosierreason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at network at gmail.com or find our contact information at hoosierreason.com. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Just a few minutes left of the show. It goes by way too fast. Your fastest hour of radio on radio. Radio and TV. Plus, we have the live streaming going. The podcast thereafter shortly. And you can find The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites. We are on that new Amazon Music as well. Uh, I had a couple people ask that earlier this week about the Amazon. Are you on the Amazon thing? They signed up for the Amazon Music. And, yes, we are on there. We are in Google Play, TuneIn, um, Spotify. I mean, whatever. We're all over the place. You can find us also at the website at whosyourreason.com, which we do have a link to the podcast on there every day as well, plus a link to all of our social media. And you can find us uh, really everywhere, which do me a favor if you do go on to social media, uh, if you're still on Facebook, which I don't know how many people are still on Facebook, uh, they've really like booted us out of the algorithm to where we're not getting as many views as what we were just a month ago kind of thing. So if you're on there and you find it, then you can just share it out. I can't share it. That's the weird thing. I cannot share the feed to another page on Facebook. Very strange. Talking about the social justice, trying to censor and trying to silence you because they don't want messages to get out. I'm not the only one, obviously. There's so many different people that get censored on social media, but that's just uh, one of them that's not allowing us to do our thing. Daniel Natal, excited to have him on the program talking about the social justice. Where do we go from here as politics moving back to the local level, things moving back down to the local level? And you mentioned something, Dan, that kind of that really surprised me that I think Um, is surprising them as well as we talk about centralization and people staying at home, being able to order things online, being able to just do their own thing, thinking that that's a centralized way for people to just, you know, go along with the flow and just order from whatever site to Amazon or whatever that controls the content. It's really doing the opposite because now you don't have to be part of their movement. You can stay at home and do your own thing and be more involved in the local community. So is it almost kind of backfiring on them right now? Yeah, um, well, you just mentioned before that question uh, about Facebook, you know, kind of not allowing people to share content. And I've heard uh, similar things with uh, people saying, oh, I tried to share a video that you did, and uh, and it wouldn't allow me to do it. And so they're, they're coming out full board. But the, the, just getting back to that, they're losing – they had a central position, right, where if you wanted to go on central me- uh, social media, it would be Twitter or it would be Facebook. And now you're seeing that decentralized. You're seeing them fragment because they're alienating all these people – I mean, they were hemor- him- Twitter was hemorrhaging even before they deplatformed the president, you know, President Trump, and got rid of all these conservatives, and they're a hollow shell now. Yeah. Um, they'd lost billions of dollars even before that point. 
So right now they're creating fake profiles and trying to make it look like their, their, their platform is still robust when it's in fact dying. And this is creating an opportunity for all these other, you know, uh, places, you know, you're seeing like, you know, Gab and, 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 and uh, Telegram and all these different things that are exploding. And as YouTube is doing the same thing, you're seeing, you know, Odyssey and Clubhouse and TikTok and all these other things. So you're seeing a decentralization already happen there. And as that's happening, they're losing power. You know, and and so you you already see them in the background. You know, uh, terrified that they're that they're losing this. Yeah, because they're, they're and it, it's a self inflicted wound. You know, so it is interesting to to watch. But yeah, I mean, we're we're going back to uh, this decentralized uh, model, and it's good to remember that before the industrial revolution and before we got used to this model of everybody going to work at the local Kodak factory, or everybody working at the local IBM, we used to all have local businesses in, in the sense that you have a jeweler, he would have a shop on the bottom floor and then he and his family lived on the top floor. And that was the model, the, the, the greengrocer, he, he had a shop on the ground floor, family on the top floor. And so we're getting back to that thing where you're not going to drive out to a giant plant with 40,000 people and all work in the same factory. It's going to be people selling stuff on Etsy or people, you know, selling their own goods in local markets and, and stuff like that. It's going to go back to a traditional, a more traditional model. And the good thing for, you know, I guess our side would be that that tends toward more traditional values. That tends toward, uh, there was a, a gentleman named Talcott Parsons, who was a social scientist in the 20s, and he said that he said that, that um, people who are productive, they actually have the values um, that we associate with virtues, uh, fair dealing and thrift and, and, and honesty and stuff like that. He said in a consumer society, however, in an industrial consumer society, the devices are promoted. Um, and so people start to become, you know, more, more kind of, you know, socially disjunct. Um, and, and so we saw that happen, you know? Um, and so, so that's a good thing as we decentralize, as we become more responsible, more rooted into our, our own communities, um, you know, that, that just, you know, redounds to, uh, to our, you know, the shift in power is going to eventually come back to our side. So, man, I love it. I love, it. I love the optimism and I love that, uh, that outlook because it's a good thing and it's kind of self-imploding, as you mentioned, as they took control, they wanted to keep control and now it's backfiring as you mentioned so many social media sites popping up all over the place diversifying that and then back to the local markets back to the local stores because we don't need to go to the mainstream centralized thing i love it that's exactly what i wanted to hear dan let's do this again real soon we gotta we gotta get you back on the show i love this topic thanks andy talk hey, to you soon man hey you as well appreciate that very much that does it for us today i can't believe it show's all over it's the end of the week we're back at it on monday make sure to stay tuned in podcast going up in a little bit until then be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. This is The Voice Reason. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do.